Hello there, podcast fans. It's been a while, and I'm here with your favorite podcast host, Barbara Bray. Say hello. Hi, Andrew. Hi there, Mom. It's good to talk with you. Oh, it's good to talk with you, too. We do this on Zoom, so I get to see you, too. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so, um, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. It's just yeah. uh, been too long not to be able to have time with you and be able to share our stories and share our lives. It's it's so nice when we get the chance to do it like this. Yeah. Yeah. The, this part that the audience doesn't get to hear is us catching up for so much time before we get to record like this. <laughs> uh, it's always so nice. Yeah. And people have been saying, you know, I've been listening to your podcast and your lovely talk with your son and it, it just makes a smile to my face. And I thought, it brings a smile to my face. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's that's why we do this. That's why that's why we have conversations. That's why this has been so important these past two years. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I I could nerd out with you a lot, but I also want to give you a chance to nerd out about the science nerd that you had a conversation with recently. Oh. Do you want to talk a little bit about them? Yes, it's Colleen Kelly. When do you know that someone is doing something unique is when you realize they make you curious about what they say and you want to know more. And that's what it was like with Colleen. She was talking about chemistry and that chemistry, there's so many things about it that you could spark the curiosity and problem solve in exciting ways. And so I can't wait to people listen to the story of how she brought it to life, how she made comic book characters around the periodic table. Yeah, you were just showing me those over over Zoom here. Um, Ah. Obviously, the people listening to this podcast are going to have to go to the BarbaraBray.net website and check out any links that we have to these because they're adorable. Um, what was the what was the radium and what was those two characters? Oh called? yeah, it's Poppy and Ray, and she made those after uh, Poppy is her son, <laughs> yeah. what her son looked like, and Ray is the, her illustrator, <laughs> Mac. And so and, she tells, and what do those represent? Um, radium and pl- plutonium. <laughs> awesome. But the fun thing is um, how. Her imagination about all of these characters, um, they've come to life, not only in comic books, she's, she's looking at an a animation series. She did a trailer. So we're going to try to put everything up in the post that goes with this podcast. So you have to go to the post and mm-hmm. check out her whole story because um, we could never put it all in a podcast because you got to be able to see and, and look at the story and follow her story. It's just wonderful. Before we get ready for that conversation, I'll always take this opportunity to remind the listeners to track down and get yourself a copy of Define Your Why, written by the very own Barbara Bray. Aww. Um, and with that, <laughs> let's listen to a conversation between Barbara Bray and Colleen Kelly. I'm really excited. I have this amazing lady here, and we had such a wonderful talk that I couldn't wait to get back. Colleen Kelly. Thank you, Barbara. (laughs) It's so neat. I mean, I learned so much about you. I can't wait to share 
your story with uh, my audience. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. And like I said before, we started recording. I'm in the company of some people I really admire on this podcast. So it's really an honor. Oh, well, wait till they all meet you. I'm going (laughs) to I'm going to share a little bit about you and then we'll get kind of have our own little discussion about all the things that you're doing. Is that okay? I'm going to boast about you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's Dr. Colleen Kelly, and she's embraced the use of case studies in her chemistry courses for the past few decades. She's used these in graduate level courses in medicinal chemistry, and most recently in her hundred level course at the University of Arizona. And all of this led to a series of chemistry mysteries in a comic book format for students ages 8 to 12. Wait till they see them (laughs) and hear about them. We're going to make a blog post that goes with this so people can see and hear and learn from you. Oh, I'm so excited you're here. Great. Yeah, me too. And the visual component's important because the characters are spectacular. And we're going to talk about how they came to be because it's it's so amazing so i always ask my guests to share their why okay kind of first and you know just like an overview of it because we're going to go deeper okay i would say my why has always been this question of why my students thought chemistry was so hard i have always loved it and I always thought it was fun for sure. And when they would look at me and just be lost, I I couldn't understand. And I thought, you know, I'm a first generation college student. I was not raised in an environment where, you know, academics were important. And I realized that there was some disconnect because I could do it. I thought everyone could be able to do it. And so my why became this, let's reduce the barriers. Let's make chemistry accessible. Let's be inclusive about this. And let's not make this an elite club of people in white lab coats. And let's really invite everyone in and everyone can do chemistry. And so for the last Mm -hmm. 26, 27 years, I've been trying to figure out ways to eliminate those barriers and make chemistry accessible. I think that is amazing. I, I mean, when I think about children now, chemistry seems so you know, like it's not part of their lives. They don't think it is anyway. Right. Yeah. So this idea is, it's so beautiful. Maybe when, let's just go all the way back when you were young and growing up and what was it like for you in school? Well, I was an avid reader. I was lucky. I grew up with a grandma who worked at a bookstore and she lived close by. And I just remember every time she walked through the door, she'd have a stack of books for me. And when she brought me mysteries, then I realized that I liked solving puzzles. And Mm. the two of us would read a mystery together and try to figure out who did it like halfway through and have hypotheses. So um, while I didn't grow up in a family of scientists at all, there was nobody was a scientist. I think it was those mysteries that made me realize that the scientific method really is sleuthing and Mm. that if you could look at clues and put pieces together and figure out in a, you know, Agatha Christie novel who did it and be right. Like how cool is that? So I think my background in science really came from a love of reading and especially a love of solving mysteries. You know, 
I did the Nancy Drew. <laughs> you did yeah, all yeah. of that. Um, did you? Did your grandmother do Agatha Christie with you? Yeah, we we went through all of the Agatha Christies. Um, that was my goal was to read every single one of them. So it was so much fun, and I'm so grateful for that experience. That is so cool. I mean, I think about it's like I never thought I when I was young would read Agatha Christie. You know what I mean? It's like I didn't open it, it didn't open that door because I I was looking at my age. Right, right, right. Yeah, like I said, I think it just helped having my grandma feed that fuel and know that we were having fun together it, trying to figure out what was happening. And, um, you know, sometimes she would get it before I did. And I would get so like, grandma, don't tell me, don't tell me. I want to figure it out on my own. So it was, it was a really, and, you know, because I get this question a lot about, you know, did you have chemistry kits as a child and and that, and, and the answer is no. Um, I was just curious and I liked solving puzzles. And to me, that's what science really is. It's not about, you know, the chemistry kits or the, you know, the math. It's just, do you want to understand something? Well, I was the kind that always asked why. (laughs) My my family used to go, would you just figure it out or just stop (laughs) it? You know, I mean, I wanted to know everything. I was curious, 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 and then didn't, school didn't work for me. Right. They always gave me the answers. And, and I was like, there's no curiosity here. And I always got in trouble because of that. Were you ever like in trouble because of what you, you know, you had that experience with your grandmother, but not in school or what? In school, I think when I would get bored, I would just start reading again. Um, Uh, Again, I was very quiet. Um, You know, I've come out of my shell quite a bit, but I was quite the introvert was also I was also a swimmer. So swimmers spend a lot of time in their own heads. You're underwater. You don't have to talk to anybody when you're swimming. So it's a great sport for introverts. (laughs) Did you compete or just I did? Yes. Oh, which uh, stroke? I was a backstroker. Whoa, that's because you could look up at the clouds. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) My imagination. So I think I fueled my imagination with just the environment I was in for so many years. You know, it's too bad we don't use that more in school. Right. They call it, I I worked with a group that called it generative curriculum, where the kids could go outside and come up with questions. Isn't that a cool thing, generative? I love that, yeah. Yeah, and that idea of, you know, why is this green and this is brown? What is going on, you know, here? That's such a good question, right? Yeah, think about it because... You know, there are trees in, I'm in California. Right. You're in Arizona, right? Right, right. We do, we do have problems with drought. <laughs> so, but why, why do, do some of our trees die? What is going on? And then having them try to figure it out and come up with solutions. Kids are so smart if we just open the door. They are very smart. That's definitely something I've discovered, how smart they are. Wow. Now, have you always lived in Arizona? No, I grew up in central Pennsylvania and um, never really thought I would leave the East Coast. And I know that you're from Maryland. So um, (laughs) same thing. But but then you see the big blue sky in Arizona and it goes forever. And these sunsets are amazing and you don't shovel snow anymore. And you think (laughs) maybe there's something out here that's that is a good thing. So. Well, that's cool. And we're definitely going to get together. (laughs) We're not too far away. We were talking about that. So, I mean, when did all of a sudden chemistry feel like that's your purpose? I mean, that you... I got a 
an inkling of it in high school. I had a great high school teacher and he was a lot of fun. He would do these wild demonstrations and um, as introverted as I was, uh, he was someone that I could talk to and connect with. And uh, I, I do have memories of, again, uh, on the swim team bus going to swim meets and I would walk up and down the bus and help everybody with their chemistry homework on the way to the swim meet on the way back from the, so I'd sit down beside someone. They say, can you help me with this? And sure. And it was just so mm. much fun. And I realized that not only did I like chemistry, but I liked explaining it to people. Wow. And it was this, you know, as a 16 year old, just, um, and my, my friend, I'm still friends with these people today. And they, they, they said, I don't know what we would have done without you in high school. <laughs> wow. So it just was innate for you. I mean, it just because of the curiosity or. Yeah, I think it was because of the problem solving, you know, there were strategies to use and, you know, you have this potpourri of strategies and to assemble them in the right order would get to it a, a you know, a solution to a problem. So I like that kind of thinking. It was really natural to me. And again, I think it comes from the mystery novels where you have a potpourri of clues. It's the same thing. So um, definitely in high school. And then when I did go to college, I majored in chemistry only because that was the thing I liked the most from high school. And I didn't really know much about college um, or what I was supposed to do there, but I, I just picked chemistry as a major and had a great chemistry instructor my first year so so the teacher really matters teachers matter yeah they yeah. really matter I'll tell you I did not have a great <laughs> high school experience but when <laughs> I got to college there was this um organic chemistry teacher on sabbatical from London oh and, yes and he was he made it so much fun and and it was I was like you I'm one of those curious people asking why and wanted to solve puzzles and come up with things and the first day he he made nylon stockings oh kinda. that's the best yeah I mean he was a joke you know the way he did it but it was right. like but he was like but he I was like I came home I was so excited I couldn't I couldn't believe that learning could be that much fun you know right. what I mean yeah that idea of potpourri of clues is such a cool idea I think, and then I was fortunate enough when I was um, in college, I met a young faculty member, Emma Goldman, Dr. Emma Goldman. She was 29, I think at the time. And she took me under her wing and told me about research. And then I was blown away because I didn't, she said, we're going to do some chemistry that's never been done before. And I didn't know that was, that's the point of research, right? Is you do something that's never been explored before. So for three years, she kept me under her wing and, you know, we were trying to discover this one chemical reaction. And I learned a couple of things. I learned it takes three years to, to discover something new <laughs> that, you know, there's a lot of persistence and a lot of, you know, you don't give up. You keep trying different things, but just how much fun it is to, I just couldn't believe that at 19 and 20 year old, you know, I was doing something that hadn't been done before in chemistry. And she said, well, that's what it's all about. And you should go to graduate school. And I didn't even know there was such a thing as graduate school or, <laughs> you know, so I said, okay, I'll go get a PhD then. So she just sent me on my way. Oh my gosh. You know, the idea, I'm just saying, because I look at school as we always teach what's been there before. Right. The idea of, of flipping that with the idea 
you might invent something that's never been there before or come up with something that's never been there before. I, that's like the design thinking process in a little bit. And it's right, kind right. of, yeah, I, it just excites me that idea and, and why we can't start early. <laughs> yeah, that's why I want to get an eight-year-old started on this. You said something about you wanted to teach in teach K twelve somehow. It was it was it because of your son? I was at the you know the, teaching at the college level, and my son wanted to. He was in fifth grade at the time, and he wanted to go to a private school in Tucson. And it's a great school, lovely, lovely place. They have a fab lab, and they have all this discovery and design thinking and. I really wanted him to participate in that curriculum as well. And it came a little bit with a, a price tag, let's say, that was above my budget at the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so we went to the admissions counselor and they said, we'd love to have your son. And by the way, you know, we have an opening for a chemistry teacher. And if you can swing it, we'll hire you and give you free tuition. And I thought I had won the lottery. Like, how, how do the world align like that? So oh, that's amazing. I, I just said, sign me up. And um, that was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I think, you know, you get stuck in higher education and you feel like that's your calling and that, you know, that's, you know, the generation you want to teach. And then you meet some, you know, 10 through 18 year olds and they just, those were the, the most fun seven years of my life. I, ha I just laugh hysterically about our memories together and also just how bright they are and how inquisitive. And I was blessed to be in a private school with um, design thinking so I could really have my curriculum be aligned with, with my values of design thinking. Yeah. And some people don't know, maybe they don't understand what design thinking is. I, I mean, this is one of the things that I love. Do you want to just kind of go, do a little overview of what you did with chemistry, with design thinking? Right. So um, we would explore a question. Um, I can remember a day when my AP chemistry kids came in, uh, students. I, sometimes I call them kids, but they're students. Oh, I, I call them kids, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, yeah. When they walked in, they said, Dr. Kelly, we're really hungry. Can we make pancakes today? And I said, you can, but if we're going to make pancakes, you have to tell me how much carbon dioxide each pancake emits when, when they puff up. And you've got to figure out a way to capture the carbon dioxide. And then we can have pancakes. And they just love that challenge. So we were it, it aligned with our unit. We were talking about gases and gas laws and things like that. So they had to design a contraption to capture carbon dioxide gas and measure it and figure out if they change the amount of baking soda in the pancake recipe or, you know, added more water or what was it to generate more carbon dioxide? So it's those kind of moments in design thinking. And again, not all faculty or teachers can do this. I was very lucky to have the ability and the flexibility and the encouragement to say, okay, yeah, we can, we'll, for sure we'll do this. So I think a lot of design thinking is collaborative where the students come up with the questions and ask, even if a question is, can we make pancakes? <laughs> <laughs> I want to do that. I, wanna... <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I, well, and that. I had never done that before. And that's the magic of it too. You know, I had never done that. That wasn't something, you know, I don't measure carbon dioxide levels at home from baking, but I thought, why not? This, this is something I have never done. Let's, let's do it. Well, what's amazing is you came up with the question. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, teachers are, you know, unfortunately, we're kind of trapped yeah. in a system that tells us what we have to teach, what standards we have to meet, what we have to, the test is coming and we got to get ready, you know, all those things, because um, unfortunately, we got to we got to open it up somehow. So they're learning the same things, but they are instilling curiosity and sparking it and getting them excited about wanting to learn. Right, it's right. it's uh, somehow we've kind of shut that down a lot. And this idea of, I want to make pancakes. Well, before you do. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. Is that kind of the reason why you wanted to do the comic books? Yeah, the comic books came from that same experience when I realized how much fun they were having when I would tell stories. So instead of teaching, you know, just kind of in a traditional manner, I would tell stories and the stories then would be related to chemistry. And a couple of times I said, Dr. Kelly, you should write these down or you should publish these or these are really good. And, and I noticed that they were sticky Maybe for the better or worse, I'm not sure. It depends on which students you talk to. But I was the only chemistry teacher at the school. There's only me. So <laughs> I had students sometimes for three years in a row. And they would remember the stories and bring back the characters. And I knew they were sticky. And I knew that they were learning from the stories. So really, the genesis of the comic books came from the encouragement of my students to somehow get them written down. So they came up with the characters? No, they didn't come up with the characters. I did. They just encouraged me to, uh -huh. to move forward instead of just extemporaneously, you know, spouting off a story. They said, write these down, illustrate them, get these going. Give me an idea, you know, like a short version of one of the stories that maybe led to one of the things, the stories in the comic book. I'm just curious how it happened. One of my favorite stories, and, and I am a history buff too, I went, I usually tell them about the discovery of the perfume Chanel number no. five, um, because I love that story. And there's so much rich chemistry in the story and how it was discovered. And so I tell that story um, about how, you know, Coco Chanel hired a Russian chemist to design a fragrance that was fresh and clean. It smelled like a woman. And, and her goal was to be less floral um, in the 19, early 1900s perfumes were very rose-based. Yes. Yeah. Think of like your grandma's um, scent, or at least I think of that. So she was the first one to employ a chemist and have synthetic molecules in them. So I would tell them that whole story. And the uh, chemist came up with 24 bottles and he lined them up one through 24 and numbered them. And when she got to the fifth bottle, she smelled it and she said, that's it. This is my favorite. This is the one we should go with. And so he just wrote number five on the bottle. And that's how it got its name, Chanel number five. I didn't know that. Yep. And so uh, then we go into, well, what is in Chanel number five? And so we, you know, I start with a story. I talk about how, you know, in World War II, American soldiers lined up around the street to get a bottle of Chanel number five to bring home to their sweetheart. And, you know, we just talk about chemistry in the context of all kinds of things. And um, especially, you know, for my female students, I think it's important that they know that, you know, even though Coco Chanel was a fashion designer, she was also, you know, on the cusp of invention. And, you know, in that, which is really amazing in 1918 that she had that autonomy to do that. 
But so that led into a comic book episode, the my fifth episode, Poppy and Ray are swimming through a bottle of Chanel number no. five with their scuba gear on and try, trying to figure out, trying to find the molecules that are hidden in there. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> and we're going to put pictures of Poppy and Ray up. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So how did you come up with the cute characters like that? They are so amazing. Well, um, so Ray looks exactly like my son, except for Ray is green. My son is not green. No one's green. <laughs> the the great thing about Ray is he's got this big puffy mop of hair on top. And you in all the episodes, you never see his eyes. Um, the hair is always cut down to his nose and covering his eyes. And in some episodes, he puts on sunglasses, which I think is hilarious because it goes over his hair. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone who sees my son knows that Ray looks like my son. And then Poppy is really modeled after, I think, somewhat my concept artist, Mackenzie Reagan. Um, Poppy looks a little bit like Mac. So and they're both green. And they're darling. And Poppy represents what? So Poppy and Ray, the, the theme for the entire series is uh, grounded in Marie Curie. Okay. So there's this old 1930s radio that shakes on the table and Granny Eve's the only one that can hear it. And the radio, the character's name for the radio is MC and and no one knows the identity of MC. It's a little bit, if you're old enough to know about Charlie's Angel, it's a little bit like Charlie and Charlie's Angel calling in. So Uh... MC calls into Granny Eve and, and sends them on their next adventure Well, Marie Curie discovered polonium and radium. So polonium is poppy, P-O, and radium is ray, R-A. Ah, okay. I'm just, I'm writing all this down because I love it. (laughs) And that's why they're green. They're green because polonium and radium are radioactive elements. So I kind of took took that from there. Well, that's with Marie Curie too, because of all the things. So the radio is called MC for Marie Curie. Yeah. Who's calling in to Grandma Eve. Yeah. Now, Grandma Eve is what? It's that- so um, Marie Curie's youngest daughter is named Eve. Oh, you know, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. So, uh, so she's, she's calling into her. And then those two have this cross uh, time travel type relationship where they may have been friends we don't know, but Granny Eve is present day. Marie Curie is calling in from the 1930s. It's a little bit wonky, but that's the way fun stories are. This is what kids love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah. Though. <laughs> I know, I do too. But I'm not as I I'm not as creative as you are about these things. I just like reading them, and I, you know, maybe one day something will come. <laughs> but that is amazing. So t- you were going to start talking about Mac. Tell us a little bit about Mackenzie and why you call oh, her Mac. Mackenzie was um, in my chemistry classes when she was a high school student. And um, as she went on, I, I realized she was a, a really great artist. And so as my students were encouraging me to create a, a comic book series, I asked Mac if she could sit down with me and, you know, we ha- she had been in my classes, knew my eccentricities and how goofy I could be. And she seemed to get what I was saying. In fact, I just got off a text with her. She's working on some more characters. So she's been doing this with me for about four years. Mm. And um, we were thinking about having Sir Carbon coming in on a surfboard. And Max said, no, not a surfboard. How about a seahorse? 
I'm like, that's brilliant. Like he should be riding a seahorse. So we have a great synergism about the characters. And I always want the characters to represent the element or molecule that they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So Sir Carbon um, looks gray because carbon is gray. But then, then we have some fun with it. And, and all of my characters are non-human by design because I want them to be inclusive. And it's a little bit like Seuss, um, Dr. Seuss, in that nobody looks like my characters so that they're open to everybody. That's really great. So I love the one. I love this. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm just sitting here looking at some of the pictures that you sent me. And you have heavy metals yeah. in the band. <laughs> yeah, the heavy metals are really funny. Okay, you have Officer Copper on the drums. Right. Officer Copper, I think you have to say that two or three times before people start chuckling how funny that is, actually. See <laughs> uh, you. I'm looking at the periodic table yep, in the background. See you. Yep. All right. Cadmium is on the guitar. Yes. Okay. CD. I got it. You know, I had to learn all those. That's all <laughs> That's all I learned in chemistry. <laughs> It was a periodic table, but it didn't relate to anything. Oh, you have the lead Z, who's a singer. Yeah, Led Z. So she's the only Led Z. Yep. So it's a little Led Z for Led Zeppelin. Led Z for, yeah. So that's why she's the lead singer. Wait a minute, wait a minute. It's L-E-A-D, not Led Zeppelin. Yeah, Led, P-B. Yep, Led Z. Yep. And she's um, a jellyfish-like, Janis Joplin-like singer. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear her. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She's going to have that raspy Janis Joplin type voice. Oh, this is so cool. Now you have Cobalt. Is singer also? Yep, Cobalt's a backup singer. A backup singer, Blue. Yep. C- CO. And then you have Lil Zinc as a shark. <laughs> and, and when the when the listeners see Lil Zinc, Lil Zinc's anything but little. He's a big old shark playing the keyboards so big (laughs) it is so fun i i mean i was looking at these thinking mac is so good she is she is good she's a a senior at savannah college of art and design and Uh, i yeah i'm just so grateful for her talents well this is just the beginning for you i agree yeah 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 i mean i'm looking at what you're doing and you have a trailer that you said, well, it's, uh, I still loved it. Oh, good, good, good. Yeah. I still loved it. So we're going to embed it in okay. the post. So I hope people watch that and, and put some of the pictures up, but we have to put the pictures of, um, of Poppy and Ray yeah. right up there on top with you. Right. <laughs> Cause they're so cool. And I love this. It's just, so you're going to be making more comics. I am. The plan is for a series of 10 um, and that will, the 10 comics um, scaffold the learning objectives um, or topics really found in a freshman chemistry class in college. Um, So that's, that's one through 10. And it's really a standard sequence. It's just that the comics are, there's no laboratory in here. Like I'm not, Poppy and Ray never go into a laboratory. They're always time traveling um, there's a pirate ship. They're going back to Egypt, ancient Egypt. So there's <sighs> all kinds of time travel and fun environments. Um, they go into a yellow submarine and find um, Ringo 
and Paul <laughs> and John and their starfish. And uh, they're trying to return them to the yellow submarine. But and then with that, there's gas laws involved. So it's a bunch of goofy references to pop culture, to history. But again, it, it's chemistry taught without a laboratory environment. And that for me, that makes it inclusive. Anytime you put a laboratory in something, it, it's like you keep people away. I mean, that's the only way I learned. It, it was. I mean, if I wasn't using slides, I was putting chemicals together. And 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 the and the thing that got me was the chemistry teachers showed me what happened in the beginning. And I'm like, there's no curiosity here. <laughs> Where I did do a podcast with Ramsey Masalam, who is a chemistry teacher, who talked about information gap and why he never showed you know, it's like spark the curiosity, make them figure it out. So it's kind of the same thing, but you're doing it. You're taking that a few steps further back to Agatha Christie and the exactly. potpourri of clues. I am so excited to share you with the world. Oh, In you. fact, you just shared with me, you were on TV. Yes. Yeah. The local news. Um, I'm very blessed here. The University of Arizona has been very supportive um, and they saw my comics and wanted to do a story about them. And that got picked up by the local um, news here in Tucson, Arizona. So that was really sweet. And I had also been working for about the last year with random families nationwide, actually, because I can work with families over Zoom. But some of the local families, um, their children had read the comic books. So they interviewed those families as well. Well, I know how much this cost you and how much this <laughs> is taking energy. And, and I think that they wanted to put this on TV to let people know about you, but I, I know that you need some support. So I, I want to put this out and share if there's any way people can contact you, we'll put that information in. Yeah, we have, a, we have a website. So our website is www kidschemicalsolutions.com. So the name of um, our venture is Kids Chemical Solutions. That's so cool. And then what I love about that um, news report, they had, I, I can't remember if there's one or two children that were on there with you, but I think it's one. Yes, they were. They were a family that uh-huh. talked about how much, even the f- parents mentioned it, right. how much, how exciting it was and what you were doing. Yeah, I mean, originally I wanted to, I I thought that this would be appropriate for middle school students. And when I uh, reached out to my friends who had children in middle school, you know, they already have too much homework. I mean, I hate to say it, but yeah. And I said, do you guys want to read these comic books for fun? And they kind of just not like, we're already overwhelmed. So I'm like, all right, who doesn't have a lot of homework? Well, fourth and fifth graders don't. So I just tried that. And you know, lo and behold, they just ate them up and I would sit with them and they would tell me, recap the story with me and explain things to me and say, you know, when cyanide bonded with, you know, officer copper, this happened. And I'm like, yeah, what does that mean? And they could, they could extrapolate the chemistry from the story. You know, I'm into stories. That's my thing. The idea of Pulling in stories and and then integrating the chemical solutions as clues and it's so clever. 
Thank you. <laughs> so clever. Well, darn, I could talk to you all all day. <laughs> I, know. I, I know. But what I want to do is, is make sure that people, um, we're going to put all of this information in a post that goes with this. So I hope they go to it so they see the pictures. Okay. Yeah. They're amazing. See the video and learn more about you and your contact information. So we'll put that up there also. Okay. But is there anything... For listeners, other than going to your website, is there another way they can reach you? Are you, you- sure you can email me? My email is um, pretty hilarious chemistrycolleen at gmail.com. <laughs> That's simple. Chemistry um, um, yeah, they can email me for sure. Oh, Colleen, this has just been so much fun. Yay. Thank you so much for just sharing, sharing the chem- the chemistry world and your stories and opening up curiosity for all of us. This is wonderful. Thank you, Barbara. It's been a pleasure. So have a wonderful rest of your day and enjoy all the clues that are out there. Right. I, I, we're, we've got a, a new one coming out, so I'll get back to working on that, but I'm not going to, spo- I, I won't tell you guys yet. <laughs> okay. See, everybody, keep watching Kelly, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dr. Kelly and find out what's going on in her new story. This is Barbara Bray. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning Podcast and my conversation with Colleen Kelly. Make sure you check out the blog post on barbarabray.net that goes with this podcast. It not only includes Colleen's story, but there's pictures and videos of the comic characters and much more about being curious and problem solving around chemistry. So please subscribe to my podcast. It would be so awesome if you wrote a review. You can also subscribe to my website at barbarabray.net to receive updates, more inspirational podcasts, and a link to resources, stories, my books, so much more too. So thanks again for listening. Keep sharing your story. And please stay safe and be well.